do, but I think I could just probably just give an invitation, amen, and uh, just uh, rejoice in what God is doing. How wonderful it is to be able to sing these great songs and to think about God's goodness to us, amen. We have a great Savior, don't we? And it's been a wonderful day so far. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse number 17. Oh, we should do offering. We'll do that at the conclusion. Okay. Yes, sir? No, we'll do it at the end. We'll just do it at the end. This is holy. We're changing all things out tonight. So just as long as Brother Randy's going to stand at the door and, and take up the offering at the end. If, you know, if you didn't give anything this morning, then he's going to be there for, for you to be able to give that tonight as we, as we leave. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence... Not in heart, endeavor, uh, endeavor the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Let's pray. Father, once again, we open your word with expectation for you to teach us, to guide us and help us. Father, we thank you for this time and, Lord, that uh, the preciousness of the songs, giving praise and honor and glory to you and to your son, our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, tonight I pray that you would just fill us with your power. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus and what he has done for us and how special and precious he is to our heart and soul tonight. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning as we were talking about the work of Satan and we were looking in uh, this portion of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, uh, Satan is alive and well. We see his work, his evidence all around. And uh, the Bible says the whole world lieth in the wicked and wickedness, which is really in the Greek, it's the idea of the wicked one. Uh, Ephesians, turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 2. I think it's so important for us to, to consider these things, understand uh, that we're in a battle. You get blindsided in this life if you don't realize that you're in a battle. If you think that, it, that everybody's going the same direction, everything's going the same way, the philosophy of this world is going the way that the Christian ought to go, uh, that is not where the world is. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you hath he, talking of God, quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's how we were before we were saved. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. There is a course, there is a, there is a direction that this world is going. And here, that's how we all used to walk. And it goes on to say, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's another name for Satan. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh. That's the word ergon. It's the idea of he is the one who's energizing the children of disobedience. Satan is the one who is putting forth evolution. He's the one that's putting forth the idea of, ev uh, of uh, abortion. He's the one that's putting forth the idea that homosexuality and, and uh, transsexuality and all these different things, those are good and those are, those are acceptable. Satan is the one that's putting those forth, not God. And the Bible says in verse, uh, verse number three, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we were the children of wrath because we were walking in the dark side. We were walking in the evil side, as we talked about 
this morning that Satan uh, is the one who led rebellion in heaven. There was war in heaven, and Satan lost that war. Praise God. And he thought he was going to take God's spot. He didn't take God's spot. So uh, the Bible says he was kicked out of heaven. He came to earth. And then now there was war, there was war in history. And remember, with, uh, as we're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 3 in just a moment, uh, put your, you can put a marker there in Genesis chapter 3 because we're going back there. Uh, Satan has been uh, working to try to do all that he can to stop the work of God from going forth, to lead rebellion uh, against the principles, against the, the teachings, against the doctrine of God. And we saw in this portion of Scripture as, the, uh, as uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, that, that Satan tries to hinder believers from accomplishing the work. Uh, he tries to hinder us. He tries to hinder us in our prayers. And like I shared this morning, uh, it, it, just that small little thing of changing, well, you know, we're going to pray to Jesus. We're going to pray to the Holy Spirit. When Jesus had told us, he said, when you pray, pray to the Father in Jesus' name, in my name. Uh, that's, the, that's the prescription, if you would. If you want your prayers to be answered, we need to come his way. Satan doesn't mind if you're just off a little bit because a little step leads to a way. And when we have our prayers and our prayers need to be answered uh, and we want our prayers to be answered, we need to come the right way. We need to come God's way and not man's way. We saw that this morning as we were looking at it. And if Satan can get, your, get you off in your prayers, there, there's power. That's where the power of the believer is, is in your prayer life. Uh, if he can get you to have your prayers not answered, if he can get you off away from uh, following God's perspective, then you have no power in your life. Someone has said if, you keep away, if he keeps you away from this book, you'll have no power in your prayer life. You say, well, how is that? Because this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11, number 11. Tonight we want to see another strategy that Satan uses. Not only does he hinder us, he tries to, to block our way, tries to keep us from, from moving and advancing forward. And we said, how do we deal with that? We keep on pressing on for Jesus Christ. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, we're to keep going, we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategy of the devil. And we can stand. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We don't have to fear. Uh, we don't have to fear Satan. Hey, our God is greater. How wonderful that is. But we want to come to this second point tonight, that uh, the, the, how the Satan works in his strategy, and that's this. He tempts the believer to do wrong. He tempts you to do wrong. Turn back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1. We have three examples I just wanted to show you tonight very quickly as we look at this, that Satan tempts the believer to do wrong. You know, when you're walking down that, that uh, maybe walking down that alcohol aisle and, and uh, all of a sudden you get that, that uh, urge in your mind, maybe you had a problem with alcohol and, and uh, the, uh, the, you hear that little voice. Look over there. Do you remember that when you used to drink that? Or you walk down another aisle and it's, it's uh, where the magazine rack is. And folks, I tell you what, you've got to keep your eyes out of that junk. Uh, because you know what? It just, you just, it's easy for Satan. He just, it's like putting out lures for fishing. And he's fishing for people to drag people in. Or, you know, the ladies with the, the, uh, those uh, romance novels. You say, well, pastor, 
You know, that would be so wonderful. Can I tell you something? That is not truth and it's not reality, folks. But Satan throws the, the little hooks out there and gets you to get hooked into it. Or the chat rooms. Folks, it's amazing how many marriages fall apart because of people going to chat rooms. Oh, you know, I want just, just want to have somebody to talk to. And all of a sudden, somebody, uh, when you're having a problem in your marriage and you go on and you're looking for somebody to, to listen to, hey, somebody will be out there, I guarantee you, that will listen. Satan will provide somebody to ensnare you and give you the attention and draw you in. I remember when I was out in California and a gentleman said, Pastor, can we please have breakfast together. I said, sure. Went out to his, his uh, uh, church and or went out to, the, uh, to a Denny's and we met together. And he said, Pastor, I, 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 can't, I don't even know what to say. He said, you know, my, uh, my wife let, uh, let me know that I was, she was going to leave me for another guy. He says, I had no clue this was coming. And uh, so I said, well, tell me what's going on. I, and you wouldn't have expected it. You wouldn't suspected it in the church because um, they were a nice couple. Uh, very friendly, outgoing. He said, my wife, about six months ago, got on a chat room and started conversing with this guy and started sharing her heart with this gentleman. And he started saying the things that she wanted to hear said. And so she decided, you know what? I'm going to leave this situation because this is not an ideal, uh, this is not a perfect situation. Can I tell you something? There's no marriage that's going to be perfect all the time. Amen? Yeah. You say, oh, pastor, you know, We've never had any conflict at all in our, we've never had any disagreements. Well, that's only possible if one of you is dead. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there is going to be, because you've got two different people, you've got two different lives you're trying to mesh together, and, uh, and, and uh, the reality, I, I've, I've talked with people like that, and then pretty soon, boom, their, their marriage is toast. Can I tell you something? You're going to have conflict, but it's working through the conflicts. It's working. That's how you build. That's how you grow. Do you realize that? That's not only how you grow um, together, but you grow spiritually, learning to take the principles of God and applying those principles and uh, realizing that what God says is true. But may I share with you, it's the devil who says, hey, why don't you look in this place? Why don't you go down this aisle? Why don't you do this? Hey, the devil is the one who encourages, who tempts you to do that which is wrong. Look what it says here in Genesis chapter 3, a familiar portion of scripture to many of us. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Now here, it's a snake, but we know that as we read this morning, that Satan is referred to as the serpent, that old dragon, the devil. Um, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Satan had inhabited, had come into this snake, and his snake was, was walking upright. Now that would bother me to begin with. Uh, snake walking upright. Now, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they didn't, it didn't seem to bother them. I mean, this snake was walking upright. Can you imagine having this snake walking? Now, cobra, you know, they kind of raise up, but then they go back down. But this one was coming up and walking. And not only was it walking, but it was talking. It was talking. Um, I wonder if that, oh, you know, that, that, old, that old hissing was coming out of there. Uh, the old serpent came out, you know. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know what he does as we look at this, we understand that the serpent gets Eve to question God's authority. 
He says, has God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the, uh, 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 of the garden? He didn't come out right out and say, you know what? Uh, you should eat of that tree. That's not what he did. He was subtle. He came in by the back door. And you know, that's how Satan is with you and I. Many times he'll come in on, by the back door. You're not looking for him. You're not watching close. He just kind of comes in with the intent of getting you to fall by the wayside. And that's what he says. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Uh-oh. You know what? There's a danger right there. What she did right there, she added to the word of God. God did not say that she could not touch it. If you go back over to verse number 16 of chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. See, he didn't say you should not touch it. When we start adding to the word of God, we get into trouble. We start adding just a little bit. That's what a lot of these new translations, people say, well, pastor, what difference does it make if we just add to the, just add a few words here or there? It's not the content, the very words that are important, it's the intent. No, may I share with you that we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of God. The very words of this book are inspired of God. And God wants us to note those words. They're important. And when you and I, when we start adding to the word of God, we're on a dangerous track. And we don't even realize it, but the devil does. And he delights in that. Notice what he goes on to say. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Wait a minute. God said that if you eat of that tree, you're going to surely die. What is Satan doing? He's denying the very authority of God. He denies God's authority. God's told you a lie. The Bible says God cannot lie. It's impossible. It's against his nature. But the Bible tells us about the devil. Ye are of your father, in John 8, 44, ye are of your father, the devil, the lust of your father uh, ye will do. He is a murderer from the beginning, and bode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is a liar. And he's a deceiver. He's a tempter, as he talks about here. He denies the authority of God. He denies what God says. He got her to question it, and then he denied it. He lied to her. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hey, it's the same thing that he wanted when he was up in heaven. Hey, I'm going to be like God. That's exactly what he's saying. If you will just eat of that tree, you'll be just like God. And we note... That the lady, the Eve starts down the wrong path. Notice what it says. Verse 6. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Notice. She saw and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Hey, those are all good things. You want to be a wise person? It looks like good fruit. We start rationalizing our sin. You know, Satan just gets us started. And then we take it from there. She took of the fruit. Well, guess what? When she took of the fruit, she didn't die. 
That's what she's told herself. I will die if I touch the fruit. She touched the fruit and she didn't die. So if God lied about that, well, God didn't tell her she's going to die if she touched the fruit. God told her that if you ate of that fruit, you're going to die. Hey, nothing happened there. So then she partook of the fruit, and then she gave it, the Bible says, unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. May I share with you that what Satan did here, he encouraged her, he tempted her. And you know what? Eve took the path of the LSD mentioned in, first, in James chapter 1, 13 through 15. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? LSD. She took LSD. You mean that stuff that makes hallucinogenic? Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. She started down the path. Look what it says. It says in James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted... I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. Can I tell you something? God does not tempt you to do wrong. God does not tempt you to do wrong, but Satan does. He's called the tempter. That's what he does. Notice what it goes on to say. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own, what? Lust. There's the L. And enticed. That word lust means desire. You know, some, Satan doesn't have the same plan, the same strategy for every person. Some things that entice you would not entice somebody else. See, I'm not enticed to smoke. It doesn't do anything for me. I mean, you can have, have your Marlboros and your, uh, your, your vape stuff and all. That, that does nothing for me. That doesn't challenge me at all. But there are some other areas where Satan knows those things. And folks, may I share with you, some of those things that, that would maybe trigger me might not trigger you. Satan knows. You say, well, how does Satan know? Well, he's had 6,000 years of experience. He knows. All he has to do is watch us. You say, well, pastor, how, what do you mean? Well, you know, as you're driving to, driving to work tomorrow or you're driving to go to the store or whatever, and you're just... Oh, how I love Jesus. And all of a sudden, you get in front of, somebody gets in front of you, pulls out in front of you, and goes five miles an hour. And all of a sudden, inside, it starts. Down, and, you're, and it just starts, I don't think, get going. Hey, let me go, honk, honk, honk. You know what? That's always good because it could be a member of the church. It's not good. Be sure your words are sweet. You might have to eat them. But you know what? Satan knows exactly what will trigger you. Hey, parents, can I share something with you? The devil knows how to use your children to push your buttons. Young people, can I tell you something? The devil knows how to use your parents to push your buttons, too. I had an older sister, like I shared with you before, she would come up when her kids were just short shavers and She'd come up and she'd flick them on the side of the head. Well, I don't know about you, but if somebody comes up and starts doing that to me, pretty soon, you know what? Let's put on the Duke's Duke. Let's get to it. And she'd do that and she'd, she'd kind of laugh. And Well, I, I have the control. I have the power. But you know what? Then the kids start getting mad. 
And there's a verse in there about dads. Dads like to do that too because, you know, dads are bigger. And, and you know, God says to fathers, says, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't do those things that are going to cause your children to sin because you're tempting them in the wrong way. When we're tempted, the Bible says here as he's talking about, Let it, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, the ill, our desire. What is our desire? What is your desire tonight? If I were to think, if I were to ask you tonight, is there a sin that, boy, you just battle with? I mean, you say, oh, pastor, not me. I have no sin. I think you ought to read 1 John. If we say that we have no sin, God says, we lie and the truth is not in us. Hey, we all have, as long as we're in this, this flesh, there is something, something that triggers you. It might be your anger. It might be, uh, it might be what you see through the eye gate or the ear gate. You know, some songs... You know, you've, you've laid, away, laid aside all your earthly, worldly songs, and then all of a sudden you get to an elevator and you've heard this song. I mean, this song used to, used to just, man, you used to get into it. And all of a sudden the devil knows when to play that song to get your attention back to worldly things. He knows on dress how to trigger your, your eyes to the wrong thoughts, guys and ladies. That's why it's so important to understand that we're drawn away and, uh, of our own lust and then enticed. So in other words, we get over here and the thought comes and all of a sudden, it just dang the devil just dangles it in front of you for a while. Just like when you're out fishing, Brother Randy. You know, I, with, I don't know, with night crawlers, they just don't do that. They just come and they snag them like that and they're, they're gone. They're, they're hooked on the hook. But, but when you got those lures, the lures that look up nice and shiny and they, and they have that little glittering and, and, and the fish is watching that and, and all of a sudden they bite onto it. It's exactly how we are. And he dangles whatever that lust is and waits for us to respond and to get hooked. And then all he has to do is reel us in. It says when lust is, uh, every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin, there's the S. L, S. When you start with lust and you keep on thinking about lust, you keep thinking about, boy, you know, you just let that anger keep boiling up and boiling up, and pretty soon it has its head. And you have a reaction. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. L, S, D. See, that's exactly where Eve did. She lusted. Remember when she looked at the fruit? Boy, it was good to make one wise. It was good to eat. And, uh, you know, I could be like God. Uh, she began to think about it, began to mull it over in her mind. That was, that was the, the beginning of it. Hadn't partaken of it, but then she partook of the fruit, and that's the sin when she ate of it. And it resulted in death. The result of Adam's sin, Romans 5.12, for as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Pain and suffering and sorrow all came because of that one act. 
How many of us have gone down a similar path? Satan gets our attention to that which God says is forbidden. We begin to believe his lies and, and it will be, that it will be fun and exciting for a, short, for, for a period of time. We then begin to justify how it will make us a better person if we just give in to the temptation. It'll be so fun. And finally, we yield to what we have been thinking about in our mind and the temptation, which started with a thought. We begin to question God's authority in our life. And then we deny God's authority and replace it with our own. That's what happens. That's how we sin. Consider how Satan tempted David. Take, go to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. David, a man after God's own heart. You would imagine if you were a man after God's own heart that you'd never do anything wrong. You would always, well, you know, I think what we find is that David had a heart for the things of God. David was not perfect in any way. If you know the life of David. And here, as we come to this one portion, David is toward the latter part of the end of his, of his king ruling here. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, and then we find these words, and Satan stood up against Israel. Now he's trying to, he's trying to cause Israel to fall. And who does he use to cause them to fall out of favor with God? He uses the king. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said unto Joab, he was his general, and to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan. Bring the number of them to me that I may know it. That word provoked means to incite, to allure, to entice. Satan lured David into counting the people. You know, if you look down in verse number 7 of that same chapter, look what it says. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. Satan didn't smite Israel. He just let David do something that would cause Israel to be smitten by God as a judgment from God. That's how Satan works sometimes. Boy, Satan, he's a conniver, isn't he? He doesn't go out sometimes and just attack you. He, uh, maybe you know, he might not attack you, but he'll attack somebody over here that will do something that will cause you to get upset over here, and you'll fall out of God's fellowship and walk in sin. So God will have to chase and use because he's promised to do. And you say, well, man, why didn't God chase that person? Well, Satan used, or Satan used that person to get at you. Folks, that's the reason why I've told you, getting, before I get up and preach, and people give me messages. They give me these little notes, and they, they slip them in a, in a little thing, say, Pastor, read this. Guess what? After all these years, 44 years plus in the ministry, um, I usually take those like that, and I put them in my pocket, and I will read them afterwards. Because like I've said, people say things. God, Satan can use people. I know that. He'll say something like this, you jerk. Why can't you preach a good message? Or why don't you, why don't you uh, preach something more of the love and the grace? 
Folks, Satan has used people like that. But I've learned over the years, uh, don't allow that to be a sidetrack to doing the things of God. It's hard to preach when you've got somebody who's put that thing down like that. So if you hand me a note saying, preach, you better read this before. Uh, it's not going to because you know what? Satan can use people. Satan can use people in the church to get you to fall away from God. Satan does not want you to have the joy of the Lord. Our theme for this, this uh, year is dealing with you know, those that, that uh, love thy name are to be joyful in thee. They're to be joyful. Satan does not want you to be joyful. So he'll, he can use somebody else to get you upset so you won't have any joy. So don't let the devil have his way. Don't let the devil have his way. Satan provoked David to number the people. You know, we find that God told Moses to count the people in Numbers 1, 1 through 3. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tabernacle of the congregation the first day of the second month in the second year after that they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles, from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. God didn't find fault with numbering the people. He gave the number of those that could go to war, but David now is numbering. And why did God get so upset? I like what J. Vernon McGee said about this. Why was God so upset with David? He said God was not displeased when David took, excuse me, God was not displeased when David took a census because David was not delighting, excuse me, God was not pleased when David took a census because David was not delighting in the Lord. He was delighting in his own might. Let's see how many people, if we have to go to war, how many people do we have to win a battle? So the thing that motivated him to number the people was the awful sin of unbelief. David was trusting in numbers instead of trusting in God. Folks, you know what? When we start trusting in numbers rather than trusting in God, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. The results of yielding to that temptation, as we read there in Chronicles, go over there, chapter 21 and verse number 21, verse 14. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell in Israel 70,000 men. 70,000 people lost their life because David was provoked by Satan. He was lured to do something out of pride and unbelief. 70,000 people lost their life. You know, you think about that for a moment. David understood. He said, God, why, why did you do this to them? It wasn't their fault. It was mine. How many times does God do something to a family member? And you say, why in the world does God do that to them? Because of decisions that we've made. We've rebelled against God. We've rebelled against the things that he has said. He's told us to do this, and we've told him no, and we've put ourselves in his place. And so our family, our loved one, is put to the worst because of that. Folks, may I share with you that that's how Satan works. 
Sometimes he doesn't attack us directly. He attacks us indirectly by provoking us to do something wrong that's going to cause somebody else to fall and falter. Someone has said this. It says, Satan promises the best, but he pays the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit, but pays with loss. He promises life and pays with death. That's what Satan does. I want you to see one other person that Satan tempted. He tempted the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4. And this one is a one that we, you and I, that we should take note of. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. That's why I said this morning when people say, well, pastor, I never, I'm never tempted to do wrong. Really? Well, let me share with you, Jesus was tempted. You couldn't get any better than Jesus. If Jesus was tempted to do wrong by the devil, guess what? You will be tempted. It says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. Jesus, as it says here, he had he'd been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Bible says he was a hungered. Jesus was not only 100% God, but he was 100% man. He had human needs. Do you remember when he was on the cross in John 19, 28? After this, Jesus, knowing all, that in all things were now accomplished, that the, the scripture might be fulfilled, he, he saith, I thirst. Jesus thirsted. Jesus needed sleep when he was on board the ship and the, and the waves of Galilee when they were, the disciples were there. In Mark 4, 38, it says, and he was in the hinder part, hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. He was needing rest. Pastor, I need rest, like probably right now. It's coming. You're almost done. But here he was hungry. 40 days and 40 nights, some of us can't make 20 minutes. I've had people say, Pastor, it is now 12, 15. You ought to be done by now. I've got my roast. I've got, my, I've got, I've got plans in my mind. I'm going down here to the... I'm going down here to the restaurant to get my food. And you better be done. I've had people tell me that afterwards. And I'm thinking, excuse me? Where's the spiritual mindset of this? We, we've lost it. We come to church to worship God, but God, you're on a time sequence, and, you, and we better be out of here because you know what? Man, I'm telling you, my stomach's growling. It's kind of funny I, when I hear people going, I just kind of smile. I really do. Some of them I've heard pretty loud, you know, like three or four rows back. <laughs> Boy, they must really be hungry. Then I'll break out a candy bar, start eating in front of them. Then, you know, it really, really gets them going. But, you know, after, after that 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Satan tempts Jesus in three ways. Notice what it says. And when, he, when the tempter came to him, which was the devil, he's already told you that in this portion uh, previous, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Did he not do the same thing? He's questioning the authority, the power. If thou be the Son of God. He's questioning who he is. You know, as you stop and you think about that, 
turn these bread, turn this rock to bread. Hey, that's the lust of the flesh. You know, I've said this before, Satan oftentimes tempts us in the areas where we can succeed. He doesn't come to me and say, Phil, when you're hungry, turn that rock, that granite rock into bread. He knows I can't do that. It would be a waste of time. But he can find something else that I can do and tempt me in that area. Hey, you can, get, you can lose your temper. You can get angry. You can think an evil thought. You can begin to, to, to malign somebody's character. Those things we can do. Here, Jesus could turn the rock to bread. He could have done a lot more than that. If he can create all this, I think he could turn a rock to bread. But notice how Jesus overcame his response. The thought went in. Jesus' response, though, look what it was. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. What's more important, my flesh and having something to eat or hearing the word of God? I submit to you, it's hearing the word of God. That's what Jesus is saying. He's putting it right where we can understand it. That person who told me that as they were walking out and was all upset, can I tell you something? You were, that person was a fleshly person living for the flesh. He, had not, he didn't have a desire for spiritual things. I tell you what, when I'm in the house of God and I hear preaching, I, and I love preaching, well, you know, I just like to, just give it to me. And I look at, I look at my watch, not to say, man, I, they're going too long. I thought, oh, man, why, is it over already? See, there's a difference when we realize and get on God's page with spiritual things. Notice the second temptation. Then the devil taketh him to the holy city, which was Jerusalem, and setteth upon the pinnacle of the temple, a high place on the, on, the, on the temple. And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God. You can just hear that sneer. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Now he uses scripture. For it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan knows how to use scripture, but he perverts it. He twists it. He was using scripture. He thought, you know what, Jesus, okay, you're going to use scripture. I'm going to use it. I'm going to twist it to make you to sin. Notice Jesus' response. Jesus saith unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus here is claiming to be who? The Lord. God. So he's claiming to be right here. People say Jesus never claimed to be God. Really? How can you read that and not, not get that from that verse? He's claiming to Satan, hey, I'm the Lord, your God, Satan. Don't you tempt me. Well, notice the third one. And again, the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. All the, the, the glitz and the glamour. He showed him all the sparkle, all that type of things. And he saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life, come just jump down and show me that you're, that was the pride of life. And then here, becomes the lust of the eyes. 
Look at, look at all this, the glory of all these kingdoms. And I think that that's what he did. He showed them all the glit, the glamour, all the, the glory, all that type of stuff. He was showing them all of that. And he says, you know what? If you'll just worship me, I'll give you all that stuff. Hmm. Jesus didn't even sit and say, well, let me think about that for a minute. Just let me think about it. No, that's not what Jesus did. That's when we get into sin. This is Jesus' response. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Three times our Savior was tempted. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And each time Jesus Christ overcame them. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that, passed, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, or John says in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all that's in this world can be summed up in those three areas. All the temptations that you and I, that we come across, are going to be in the, one of those three areas. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It says there, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing the way, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, Jesus showed us how to be victorious over Satan, did he not, in this portion of Scripture. It is through being spirit-controlled and the word of God that we can overcome. Jesus, remember, he was driven into the, the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You read in one of the other accounts of the Gospels, it talks about he was full of the spirit. When he came back, he, was, he had denied the flesh. He was full of the spirit. The spirit was in control. James 4, 7, go over there very quickly and we close. James chapter 4 and verse number 7. Jesus demonstrated for us how to overcome Satan and when, he, when we're tempted. See, Pastor, I wish I knew how when Satan tempts me, how to deal with it. Well, Jesus demonstrated it for us, and James is telling us how it's done. James 4, 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from thee. Submit our life to God. That word submit means to uh, subject oneself to obey, to yield to, to yield to. I'm to yield my life to God. That's the first, start, first part. When you're trying to overcome Satan, may I share with you? Hey, Lord, I belong to you. My life is in your control. It's when we try to divorce ourselves from God is when we start getting into trouble. That's what happened to Eve when Satan said, hey, you'll be like God. And he said, she says, you know, you're right. If I eat that fruit, I'll be like God. She wasn't, she wasn't trying to, uh, to be in submission to God and obey his commandments. She was in disobedience, trying to set herself up. The first step if we're going to have victory over Satan, is to have the spirit to yield our life to him and let his spirit control us. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. Well, how did Jesus resist the devil? By scripture. 
Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's important for you to get into the word of God and to memorize God's word because when Satan comes to tempt you, if you know the word of God and what God says, it's a, part, it's a tool that can be used to overcome Satan. And the Bible says he will flee. Satan will flee from you. Well, when you think about Jesus, he tempted him the first time. Did, he, did Satan leave him? He just shifted his temptation. Gave a different one. So he tempted him over here. Jesus responded the same way. Did it third time. And he, res, he came and did it exactly the same. He responded the same way. And the Bible says then Satan finally left him. And interesting, as you look at the other Gospels, he left him for a season, for a more convenient season, to wait for when it was, he thought he could use more of an attack on Jesus Christ, and that's what Satan does. He waits for a convenient season or a more convenient season. But sometimes you get attacked, and you get attacked, and you get attacked, you say, man, I'm just getting hammered by the devil. Hey, it's probably because you're trying to live for Jesus. That's the bottom line. Hey, if you're not living for Jesus, why would Satan have to bother you? He's already got you. So he just, he just let, you, let you go on your own devices. You're already going the wrong direction. Hey, that's exactly what he wants you to do. But if you're trying to live for Jesus, you're trying to read your Bible, you're trying to study, you're trying to witness, you're trying to encourage others in the Lord, you're trying to do what God commands, boy, that's the type of saint that, the Lord, or that Satan hates. He's going to try to hinder you, and he's going to try to tempt you to do wrong. But as I said in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's, folks we can have victory over Satan. Hey, Satan's, Satan's at work. Paul said, you know what? We're not ignorant of his devices. Hey, we know how to deal with it. The question is, will we apply those principles? Don't sit there and mull over whether that's the right thought. I wonder how, you know, that, that does kind of seem kind of interesting. That, you know, that, that, what that person said, that sounds like it's pretty good stuff. Wait a minute. Compares against the word of God, you ought to come back with the right things. Whatsoever things are true, and honest, and just, and pure, and lovely, and of good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. And God tells us what to think on. So let's think there, so that we can have victory over the evil one. Amen? I pray that that's where we are. Paul was just trying to encourage the Thessalonians. Uh, I want to come and help you, but that old rascal, the devil, he just hinders, he tries to block us off. But Paul was still trying to get to Thessalonica. And he could still encourage them through the letter as he did. Got some exciting things coming up in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, the rapture and, and those different things and the tribulation, some of those things. It's got, it's got it coming. And I hope that, that as we study it, it'll be an encouragement and help to you. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you tonight for this time of being able to be in your house. Thank you for your wonderful uh, book. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the songs. Lord, it's just been wonderful to be in your house tonight. And Father, I pray that you would just bless our thoughts now as we think about these things. Lord, perhaps we've been tempted. Perhaps we've been tempted tonight, even, even as we've sat here, for our mind to wander, to, to go off into other things instead of listening to your word. 
Father, I pray that you'd help us to bring our mind under, under captivity and, and bring those thoughts back into the right way. Lord, if perhaps we've thought things that are not right about other individuals and we've just started thinking about those things and just mulling those things over. Father, help us to realize that's going down the path of LSD, lust, sin, and then death. Father, help us. We need you. We need your spirit to guide us. And Lord, we thank you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I ask that you stand, Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. I don't know where you are tonight in your life. Maybe Satan has been tempting you, and you know those things. I don't need to, to go. You don't have to confess it to me, but you know what? You need, if, you're, if you're walking in sin, you're walking, in, and Satan's been tempting you, maybe you need to pray and say, God, you know what? Satan has been tempting me. I've been falling, but today I want to get it right with you. I need your help. I want to go in the right direction. I don't want to give in to the devil. Uh, I know that our time is short. We want to do all that we can for Jesus Christ. Why not get the victory, start tonight, and move ahead in your Christian life? and see the power of God at work.